<laughs> it would be a walk, but I. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast Magic, you know, two in a row. Ladies and gentlemen, the winning feeling's back around Wolverhampton, isn't it? And he's back with me tonight or this morning or whenever you fancy listening to the show. And we're joined by uh, Matt as well this evening. Um, fellas, how are we all feeling after a pretty soggy Molyneux yesterday? It was wet wasn't it? To be fair, it was one of those games where because of the rain, I said beforehand, it's not going to be for a f- footballing purist it's because like the ball's not going to play on the surface. It's going to be hammering it down. The players are going to be miserable. We're playing um, against Steve Bruce's side. I get it. I get exactly, it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, the weather played its part in, uh, in adding to the anti-football of Newcastle United. Yeah. I was going to say, um, before we get diving straight into the game, because there's quite a bit we, uh, you know, I want to dissect on the game. Um, starting lineup, we had a few changes. Um, mostly, um, most notably, Trincao coming back in, Neves coming back in. Um, but the back five stayed the same. Was were you guys a little bit surprised by that? Because I, I know Sace played a bit better against Southampton, and Marcel, you know, did a bit better again today. But it does still feel like they're on a bit of a, you know, walk in the plank, so to speak. Were you surprised at least Bonnie didn't come back in? Because he feels like he must be knocking on the door. A little bit. I was a bit surprised more so last weekend because I thought Bolly played well against Spurs in the week and he'd have stuck with him. But then we kept a clean sheet against Southampton. So maybe he's thinking that's why you keep the, the same back five, just to keep that uh, continuity going. <laughs> Mm, I'd agree. And, and it's something that I tweeted um, after the game in that I still think Large is, is concerned that the, the style he wants to play, he's not going to be able to play yet with the with the players at his disposal and sticking with the formation that has ultimately given us a couple of wins now. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it kind of thing. Um, I, I think us as, as, as fans that want to see this expansive football that we've all believed would, would come that happens with four at the back more so than five. So I think that's like the disappointment side of it. But listen, it's a results business and we we want to just see our team win, don't we? Yeah, and I think, you know, I picked out Sace. Um, I, I saw a stat before the game, I think it was, saying that, um, you know, there's a certain area of the pitch where, like, he's produced the most key passes in the Premier League, like, on the left-hand side, which I found, like, really strange to look at just because I wasn't really expecting it so he's kind of must must be doing something right just you sort of think when he does make mistakes or he does look poor he really stands out um I don't think he had a particularly bad game on on Saturday which we'll kind of dive straight into and uh, as we said we, we got a clean sheet against Southampton and we won against Newcastle so you know I can see why there's no cause to uh to change it and I think Bruno's uh, in the press quite a lot the last couple of weeks. We talked about it before Southampton as well has been sort of very keen to like be uh, saying things on the lines of, you know, no one's guaranteed a starting place. There's competition for places. You know, Marcel has to play well. Otherwise, eight Norway will come in. And, you know, it seems to be a lot of uh, internal motivation in that team to, uh, to push on. But we got to see um, Huang and Jimenez up front together. Um... I mean, usually when we do these guys, we kind we of break it down, you know, so we'll talk about the first goal, then the second, then the third. Today, I just want to mash them together just because they were almost mirror images of each other in terms of the movement, the play, the feeling. Uh, guys, have we finally replaced and got over Jota? Like, we, we've had, you know, we've broken up with them but we still have those lingering thoughts and we've not quite moved on, have we? Let's be honest, as Wolves fans, it, it, it stung a bit a year ago and no one could quite explain it. And we kind of went through emotions last year, but ah, Huang's just the guy, isn't he? He, he? he is what we have been missing for a year in that Wolves team, right? Yeah, I would say so. I think the 
the thing about it with, with Huang now is um, it takes so much pressure off Jimenez to be the sole goal scorer and the sole saviour of the team. Um, and this this fruitful relationship that hopefully we're going to see continue now, it just gives both players the support of having somebody else there that can can do what they need to do. You know, how much have we spoken over the last year about not, by not having Jimenez, we haven't had a goal scorer, but getting, you know, our top goal scorer so far now, not being our number nine, it, it just gives us that extra dimension. And I think it will take pressure off Jimenez as well, which I think is really useful for his headspace. Mm. And, you know, I think he can help us defensively as well. How many times when we had Jota, did we have him just stood on the halfway line on the left wing, just waiting for that ball across so that he can run and get us up the pitch? And that's what Pang was doing at points yesterday when we were a little bit under the cosh. He was offering an outlet because he's such a direct runner. And unlike Traore, who runs and runs, but he's so much faster than everybody, Wang can do it in a way that he's able to bring people with him. So I think that's going to be an invaluable asset going forward as well. I was really, really impressed with him yesterday. I thought he was outstanding. Yeah, there's, there's something special about him, isn't there? Um, in terms of his tenacity, about how he matches it with his skill and guile. Um, and uh, you're both completely on the money. I think um, one of the things I noticed from the first couple of games of the season, particularly around Jimenez, is how how we were playing. It was all it was almost all designed around creating chances for Traore. And he was the one who was getting these big one-on-one chances and these clear-cut ones in a game, rather than Jimenez, because Jimenez was almost creating the space in behind. And it didn't quite work because, you know, uh, we won't dive deep into Traore and, you know, it, how we all think of him. But he ain't a goal scorer. Um, whereas Wang is, he is a, you know, he, he showed on Saturday both ridiculously astute finishes. Um that actually, if you're going to create those pockets of space for your left winger, he's the guy you want on the end of it at the moment. And, you know, it almost seemed like the tactics that we've been using since the start of the season have just sort of all of a sudden it's like, shit, this is actually how we're going to score goals here. And, you know, it, it felt like we kept threatening it as well. And, you know, there was a chance later on, I think, when we were 2-1 up where... Um, I got one on the left-hand side and all of a sudden it was just like, hang on, we got two in boxing, we got two viable goal-scoring threats and it takes the pressure off Jimenez, who, you know, he is someone who likes to kind of carry a team um, as much as anything else. But, yeah, just just having both of them um, it made, it made a big difference. The other point I wanted to sort of note on um, with um, Huang in particular was, do you think it, I'm, I'm trying to find the best way to describe it. Does his um, recruitment in terms of him, it, it, to be honest, he was out in the cold at Leipzig. He, If you look at you know his numbers, didn't really want a move in terms of what he'd done at his current club. You could look at Salzburg and you know, you'd, you'd, be, you'd be impressed by it. But you could argue we had the same thing with Jimenez, who didn't come with an amazing goal-scoring record. And you think, and you know, the fact that we've got him on loan, option to buy in January or an end of the summer or whatever, but that's been a pretty good tried and tested route for Wolves to actually pick up these players who value might be a bit depreciated. Quality is obviously there, and you know, I found a place that could they could potentially flourish. I mean, I'm saying this nine ga- seven games into a season, um, and I am getting ahead of myself, um, but. Again, do you think that sort of worked in Wolves' favour that we've kind of plucked him a little bit out of, you know, the, the depth, so to speak, as well? And, you know, ho- hopefully, mm. you know, instead of a Catrone where we spent a lot of money up front and it's been a bit of a busted flush. I think yeah. it depends on what, like, media outlets, sorry, Andy, that you, that you read. So for, from what we're hearing, you know, coming out of The Athletic and other sources, our recruitment team, in terms of the targets that they bring to their managers these are players that now are pulling up trees all across Europe. So I think from a scouting network point of view, I think we've got an excellent scouting network, but our managers at this point have either decided that they aren't players for them or they aren't players that are going to improve the squad. So we've not pulled the trigger. So I think from a recruitment point of view, we've actually had it spot on for, for some time. 
I just think that under Nuno um, and and the transfer windows that he had, he he for whatever reason didn't didn't fancy a few of the targets that were presented to him. And you, listen, you can't sign everybody, so I, I get it. But you know, some of the players that have, that we've been linked with over the last um, few windows have gone on to do great things in Europe. So I think recruitment wise, I think we have it spot on a lot of the time. You can't, you know. You can't do a Villa every single season. Look what's happened to Derby on a smaller scale. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You can't. Mm. That that isn't that isn't a viable um, that isn't a viable method of conducting yourself uh, as a football club. And so I think recruitment wise, I think we have it we have it pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same. To be honest, Mass, I think over the last few windows, Thelwell and Scott Sellers have come in for some dogs abuse, but actually they've done their job to the best of their abilities. They've identified targets and, as you said, managers just have gone a different way. And for some reason, the fan base seems to have taken that as a knock against their well and sellers rather than the manager didn't see the way they saw. I think that's all it is, was just the difference of opinions. Um, and if we're talking about future transfer fees, I've, I've heard 12 million is the fee that's been quoted for him. Newcastle paid thirty million for Joe Linton, was it? Mm. I mean, th- there are players in the Premier League who have done a hell of a lot less in a hell of a lot more time than what Wang's already done. So even if you sign him off the back of like three goals and a couple of performances, that's still better twelve million spent than thirty, forty million that's been spent elsewhere. I think the uh, yeah, I do think the um, scouting network deserves a lot of praise for the work that they've done. I just don't think they get the recognition because those players ultimately haven't come here. So maybe we just look at it with a bit of hindsight, maybe. No, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, have you guys got any further thoughts about the goals apart from the fact that they were really, really fun to watch? I loved seeing Huang's movement on that first goal. It's been so long since we've had a player who tries to run off defenders and wants the ball in front of them. It's been a criticism of mine of like Traore and, and other players for so long. They always want the ball into feet. They never they want it and then to make the move, not make the move to get the ball. Like that that I thought was outstanding. And I love the fact that Wang was doing that all afternoon. He was constantly moving, telling players where he wants the ball. And he didn't always get the ball, but he was always showing for it. And I, that was just great to see someone who was willing to take a bit of uh a bit of initiative and just go at them. Like you can tell why his nickname's the bull. Like you can fully tell why. Mm. And yeah, I, I thought he was excellent. I prayed, prayed that once the match of the day was on and the highlights, they weren't going to cut to me and the lads that were in the stands because we've got this, for some bizarre reason, we're all in sync and essentially doing the helicopter dick emoji kind of thing. <laughs> But with our hands in front of us when Hank Wang scored, <laughs> it kind of like like Huang's out. And if that, I could just see it now that they would cut to that, like in the stands. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, that's actually what's going to happen, isn't it? And I'll be memed. But thankfully, it didn't. Um, the more the more I see the highlight of the goal, the more actually I um, was impressed with what how Jimenez built it up. And uh, at the time, because you know you get caught up in the goal scorer and he's got a brace and he's on he's on for a hat trick, etc. But Jimenez was excellent there as well in creating that. Um, the way that for the second, you know, he pretty much shrugged off like two two men that somehow kept the ball at his feet and you know played the pass and then and then the finishes themselves were so like controlled and so I wouldn't say delicate. They weren't like delicate balls, but they were just just hit with just the, like the right amount of accuracy that almost crawled into the net. I mean, the keeper was pretty poorly positioned for both, and I think a better keeper might have might have been able to have done something with them, but. It's just really refreshing to see um, us have just a different outlet and somebody else that can offer, um, offer. Uh, you know, he he just knows has an eye for the goal and wants to be able to get into these positions. And, and again, like I said before, just gives that little bit of pressure off him as to be able to to add a different element to his game um, and not be reliant on him. I mean, imagine if. You know, Fabio Silva had that same luxury last season. If he has mm. somebody else that he could play and link up with mm. that, that offers the same amount, whereas everything is always geared up for Traore or Podence or Neto or someone like that to create the chance for the striker, to allow that other, other people to be able to share that now is going to be fruitful for everybody. I've got a question for you both. Right. 
does Jimenez of two weeks ago play that ball on the first goal or does he try and work a shot for himself? Hmm. Ooh. I think I think he's he's absolute determination to get to break the duck would have meant he'd have, he'd have scuffed a shot, he'd have done anything in his in his power to try and get a goal for himself, just to exercise mm. the demons of being a goal scorer. So I think I, I don't I don't think the same result happens if he hasn't already scored. Yeah, potentially the same. I also think maybe it helps having Wang there. I know like against would have been Brentford, wouldn't it? Um we kind of cast our minds back to um that Hank came on for a bit. But just I guess having someone who that sounds really bad. Having somebody knows is competent in front of goal. <laughs> mm. that, that's you know, exactly you, it, isn't it? You can have more yeah. faith. And the, the one thing I've always loved about Jimenez is whenever he gets the ball and wherever he plays it, his initial thought is, right, how can I get back into the box? Or how can I get forward into a position? And for him to slip that ball through, I, I, I'm certain if he'd have slipped that ball through, let's say for the first one, but Quang checked his run because he'd overran it, um, Jimenez would be piling on through um, to to get to it, but I completely get what you mean. I think mm. it, that, having that goal, taking that bit away from him, and the fact that you know what he's he's got two assists, and he had an instrumental part to play in Wang's first goal for the for the club um, against Watford as well. You know, there, there's something sort of. Yeah, there's a lot of tangibles coming out and a lot of output from Jimenez now where, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago we could see it wasn't quite there. Um, it's just a shame we've got the international break coming up, um, to be honest. But as I say, before we move on to the Newcastle goal and a bit about officiating, are we all enjoying the slightly odd pairing of a Korean and a Mexican in terms of, you know, um, cultural, um, I was going to say cultural divides, different cultures, so to speak. I love that football will bring these two nationalities together. And they call um, it food fusion. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I don't know what I don't know what that meal would be either. I don't some kind of some Korean kind of... beef tacos. Yes, actually, that'd be very nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. To be fair, I'm, I'm having I'm having Korean beef rice bowls tomorrow night. So I'm like, actually, I could you could make it work. I think there's something in I, that. I will yeah, so there's, there's money to be made here. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Shut up, shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll brainstorm afterwards, guys. I feel like we all might just be quite hungry on a Sunday night the way it could go. Um, but yeah, and I think, um, you know, so long as the next couple of months go well, I'm sure Castor will already be designing a South Korean uh, third kit for Wolves as well. <laughs> um, so we, we, we've sort of covered the, the, the two Wolves goals, but sandwiched in between Newcastle uh, scored and equalised. Um, initial reactions in the ground. Did you think it should have been disallowed, for want of a better word, or the referee should have stopped play? Or do we think Saar tried to have a bit of gamesmanship but didn't follow it through and be a complete shitbag when he needed to be? Personally, I think the ref needs to be calling for an injury for, for the the medics to come on at that point. You've got two players coming together. One is going down to the feet of the other one. There is a potential concussion there. You see him sort of stumble back to his feet instinctually as a goalkeeper. He's going to try and play through an injury regardless. He should have been blowing for the injury, the potential concussion that could have quite easily been there, I think. And the fact that he put his the whistle to his lips and then decided to play on when he saw the ball broke to Newcastle. I thought it was a really shitty move from the ref. I thought it was a very weak officiating display all round, to be perfectly honest. For both us and them, I don't think he particularly favoured one or the other. I just thought he was an absolutely piss poor ref. Hmm. I'm slightly I'm slightly more sympathetic to the referee on for that incident, but in general for the game. You know, he allowed both teams to kind of descend into kind of some pantomime antics a little bit. And especially for Newcastle for the first kind of 15, 20 minutes, there was, say, Maximan was down like like Lino, who was always on the floor. He, like, he, literally, he couldn't stay on his feet. He was, and there was, there was a lot of breaking up of play in this anti-football that you come to expect from a Steve Bruce team. And in regards to that incident, I think... 
Saz's own worst enemy there in trying to make in trying to make the save because there's no obligation for the ref to blow there because I'm sure he goes down clutching his shoulder, so there's no there's no evidence of a head injury. So there's no obligation for him to kick to kick to you know to stop play. Um, there's no obligation for Newcastle to stop play either. You know, if they were to score, they'd look super shitty. And it probably end up like that Villa Leeds goal when when Bielsa made him give him a, give him a goal or something like that. But there's no obligation either. So by him then getting up like Lazarus rising from the dead to then try and make the save, I think he gives the referee every opportunity to not blow for it. And I think if you're going to try and if you're going to try and deceive the referee in the nicest way possible, at least like go through with it and lie down there and take your punishment do you know what i mean i just i think it was a bit of naivety really and i think he was stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea and he didn't really I don't, it's a tough one it's a tough one because his natural instinct is to try and make the save as it should be as a goalkeeper but i think a bit of naivety came into play personally yeah, I, I kind of agree with both of you in a way which is always what you want in a you know in a <laughs> debate isn't it but for me, there's an obligation for a referee to stop because he is a goalkeeper. Now, I know we should say that goalkeepers aren't should be treated like any other player, but they're not any other player. Mm. He is the only player mm. on that team who can do a certain set of things. And you know, if your fullback goes down injured and is clutching his ankle, you know, clutching his shoulder or whatever, everyone can kind of fill in a formation very quickly. You can't do that if it's your goalkeeper. You know, if the goalkeeper's out of position, you know, incapacitated, whether he's done it on purpose or he, he's injured, no one can just go, oh, I need to just quickly dr- just drop in for 10 seconds. You know, it's not like in goals. Um, so that, that, there is, for me, a little bit that actually he should do. Now, unless the ref has identified, I think he is faking it, which I don't think you can do if a player has gone sliding in like mm. that. And I don't. I, and to be fair, I, I don't think it was necessarily a foul by. Um, it was Joel Linton, wasn't it? Um, the yeah. human, uh, the human bottle target. Um, yeah. I, like so, you know, I don't think he's done anything malicious. I don't think it's a foul, but actually, he is down. He is down. He is clearly, you know, incapacitated. The fact that he then gets up makes it it gives the referee a really awkward decision to make because you know he shouldn't blow up just because he is a goalkeeper i think if he stays down that extra two seconds the referee has to blow up because they say then you're left with an awkward circumstance of you know newcastle scoring a goal what should happen next um and then you know sar can't really go clutching his arm back running towards the goal because it's like his instinct as a goalkeeper is to, you know, shit, no one else can do my job. Mm. Um, so it did fit, like, I don't know, I'm the, trying to think of how yeah, I feel like issue, it, it, it was the opposite way round. The issue is, though, we, we now live in a, uh, a, a, technolo- a technological age where if there's a clear and obvious error that has been made, VAR could have intervened with it, and if the, law, if the laws of the game hadn't have been followed, then the goal would have been disallowed or the goal wouldn't have, you know what I mean? So... I think the referee had a, would have had an opportunity. I, I, I don't think I don't think the referee should have blown for it, regardless. To be honest, I, I don't I, you know I don't. Stu, we need Stu to be here really to tell us <laughs> the, to, the rules around this, um, around actually what has he got an obligation to stop the play for? But unless I'm mistaken, and if if, if there are the rules are different for goalkeepers, then so be it. But it's just one of those one of those things really, um, yeah. and I just think. It's, it's just very, it's just very us. It happens to. It feels like, yeah, it always like feels it. like something mm. stupid like this happens that screws us over somehow. And we're all, um, you know, when when we were, we should be too, we should be two nil up after Trinko misses from about six yards out, blasted on the crossbar. Um, we now we now one one, and then Newcastle look like they're in the ascendancy. It just felt very much like this is the script as it always is. <laughs> yeah. Um... I was going to say, my, my last thing on the Newcastle goal, so say Saad stayed down injured for his extra couple of seconds and Hendricks had basically just knocked the ball into an empty net 
and you know there's uproar about it you know there's players squabbling and you know they end up deciding you know what we need to do the gentlemanly thing steve, steve bruce steps steps in and you know as he would do at a wedding or whatever and sort of says you know what we'll gift you a goal which wolves player are you allowing to walk the ball into the back of the net uh oh that's a great question i know i, I was proud <laughs> of that one <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I think it, it's got to be Jimenez, isn't it? Like, the, the number nine would want that goal. And because <laughs> if Wang was on his second at that point, then I think he would want it. But as he's only scored one, I think Can you imagine that's how you it. score? that's how you score your hat-trick goal on your... It'd be incredible. Just <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it though didn't he score his first with his right and his second with his left so he could have flicked the ball up and done the perfect hat headed it. <laughs> he could have literally headed it in like like kept it up and headed it in himself see if, if it was me because i'm a proper shit out on things like fifa like if i'm like three nil up and i get a penalty i'll take the penalty with the goalkeeper just to like annoy my rival um so i'd have like i'd have been like so do you want it? Do you want this one? Seeing as you were the one that was been injured in the first place, injured <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I think I'd go Kilman just because you know he hasn't scored for Wolves. No, give, give him a bit of something. Give that's him a bit fair. of something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we we kind of touched upon, but the officiating was not great. I mean, you know, we could probably talk about this most weeks. We try not to because you know the referee's impact is nominal, nominal at best. But he struggled to get control of it. Um, from a Wolves point of view, though, I mean, I think a couple of players did well um, in what was a bit of a scrappy game in parts. You know, I had down um, actually Kilman and Cody defensively did uh, did quite well, and they kept um, Alex on maximum um, pretty quiet throughout it um, throughout the game, um, and also Moutinho. I thought I had a, had a solid game as well. You know, um, I don't think Neves particularly shone, but I thought Martino, particularly with those last 10 minutes or so, really kind of managed the game out for me. Um, who kind of in, in, impressed you guys, apart from, you know, the front two? I thought Sace played well. Um, I think the conditions were prime Sace as well. <laughs> the, hmm. the pitch was a little bit greasy, so he's going to go sliding in for absolutely everything. And I think every ball that came down his channel, because I don't think Marcel was particularly great, I thought Sice did a really good job of just clearing everything up. And there were times where ASM seemed to drift over to the left. I think he identified Marcel as a a bit of a weak link. Uh, And I thought he did a good job in keeping him quiet. Mm, Agreed. Pretty pretty much spot on what I was going to say, really. I think that we are very, very quick to... um, to put the dagger in on Sace when he does when he makes a mistake and we start crying, oh, he's not a natural, he's not a natural centre back, or is this or is that? But actually, he is a very, very solid. T- t- he's a very solid pair of hands uh, in, in that position, and I think in a game like that, where I mean, I I really thought we were doing everything in our power to throw it away. Like the last fifteen minutes, I thought I thought given an extra five minutes, we'll concede it because it just felt like. Every pass became like errant, and we were we were inviting pressure so much. And I, I can't. I think it was. I, I don't know in what minute, but it was, one of the tweets were, you know, is there ever been a more kind of shutting out shot substitution like, to bring in Den Donker on? And I'm just thinking, Christ, this, this is this is the old mm. the old like regime here. And I just felt that ooh, we're really going to struggle it. But say he just felt like that that calming that calming element and actually everything that he did, you know, he, he was brave in his challenges and he, and he does like to slide in and, and, you know, he didn't, he didn't hack anybody down. Wasn't, you know, in a position where I thought, Oh, he's going to be a walking red card as he has been in the past. Um, so I think he played, I think he played well, not outstanding, but I don't think anybody was, was outstanding in, in, in a bit of a drab technical game. But um, yeah, Sace was, um, Sace was one of the unsung heroes. So I think it's interesting, but say from what, you know, a game that was a bit of a battle, if, if we're being brutally honest, the players that, you know, picked out for me, Martino, Cody and Sace, were all very much leaders in that team who, you know, very much dragged us through when we needed to. And the chips were, you know, not not quite down, but we needed a bit about our stirs, so, you know, a bit about ourselves. And, you know, let, let's be honest, Newcastle aren't a great football team. Mm. Um mm. 
and you know we could we could very much argue their goal was a bit lucky as well but actually everyone knows what it's like when it's 2-1 in a football match and you know there's always an opportunity for us to kind of see that game out you know it wasn't it wasn't pretty but it doesn't have to be um for me um wrapping up you know we've talked about the good couple of players anyone who can't struggle i think trinkel's still not quite firing yet i mean the mitt we mm. the, the miss um you know at one nil where you know you know knee broke the crossbar um you know that hopefully that's not a sliding doors moment for him um at, at wolves but i think with 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 Huang's sort of place and starting eleven pretty much nailed on we've now got Podent's trial rate and Trinkau all competing for one space and I think it's going to be difficult for him um, at, at this moment in time. Mm. Um, how do you guys think he uh, played on Saturday slash, I guess, his position was starting 11 going forwards? He wouldn't be near it for me. I, I feel really harsh because he's obviously still young. He's obviously got a pedigree coming from Barcelona. But he's the most frustrating player in the world. So like the amount of times he pisses around on the ball in our own half. And then gives it away. I mean, let's be honest, that's the reason why we conceded that first goal was him dicking around on the about 30 mm-hmm. yards out from our own goal, giving it straight to them and putting us under pressure. He did it a few times yesterday. He's very, very frustrating. I kind of hope that... Cause, I mean, a few people have compared him to Helder Costa, and I totally get it. I hope he's more like a young Helder Costa when he came in and he was a bit lightweight, who then grew into a really good player for us rather than a late stage is held a Costa who was just disinterested. So I'm hoping, to, I, I really want him to prove me wrong, but I just don't see it with him, if I'm perfectly honest. You can do all the flicks in the world, but if you can't make a five-yard pass, then you shouldn't be on the pitch. Mm. I, I don't I don't think a game like that yesterday, in the conditions that were being played in, is the kind of environment that suits him anyway, to be honest. And I think... One of the what well, a nice luxury to have. So Large came out with a, with a comment after the game while he was not justifying, but why he was saying why he didn't play Troy or Ray, saying, you know, I looked at the opposition and I thought these were the two best players in those positions for for this game. And like any good squad, if Trincao doesn't give the goods, there are players that are you know waiting in the wings to get their opportunity as well. I, I just think I don't think that game in particular with the opposition and the the surface and the weather and everything else was just, was just prime for somebody that obviously has talent and, you know, you don't play or, or, or be owned at least by Barcelona for nothing. I just think that it's going to take time to adapt to, you know, a massively different culture of football like the Premier League. And I think people are writing him off a little too quickly. I think if he'd have come from, if he'd have come from, Sociedad or if it had come from Getafe or something like that, there wouldn't be half the annoyance in mm. the in the in the fan base than there would be that the fact that he's come from Barcelona. Um maybe I'm being cynical, but that's just how I feel about it. No, I think that's a fair point. Because he's come from Barcelona, the pressure's on him immediately to, to hit the ground running. Mm. And I suppose some fans wrote off um Tomato last season mm-hmm. after two or three games. Because he's a Barcelona player who couldn't defend a diagonal crossfield ball. So there is definitely an element of that to it. I really hope he proves me wrong. I don't get me wrong. I don't want to be right on this. I hope he becomes a really good player for us. Mm-hmm. Time will tell, obviously. And you are right. It's not prime conditions, is it? It's the a wet Tuesday night at Stoke sort of thing, isn't it? Can he do yeah, it in, exactly. under those conditions? And yeah, he's, he's a kid. We'll see how the the cookie crumbles when we get to six months down the line. I think with him. Yeah, I think I think that that's fair, and I think Neto's a kind of a prime example of someone who really sort of dug down. Um, you know, he, he didn't quite hit it off the way we we're sort of hoping. You can see he's got potential, but he's a bit flimsy. Um, but actually, he put the work in, and fingers crossed. Um, fingers crossed, Trinkau can do the same. Uh, right. Quick wrap-up, guys. Who are we giving Man of the Match to? Matt? Um, for me, just purely because, um, you know, the creation of the chances, yes, 
Wang put those chances away. But the creation for me, we, we, you know, was prime Jimenez getting back into form. And I felt I felt so happy for him. I felt really happy when he scored his goal, but I felt really happy that he added to the team. So Jimenez for me would have been my man of the match. Um, I, I, do you want to give a shout out? Because I thought Jose saw a save. Yeah. Um, that point mm-hmm. blanker against ASM was outstanding. Um, but it's got to be Wang. He won us the match, to be perfectly honest. So I think the boy is going to get it for me. That's put me in a really difficult position because it's basically a um, horse race swimmer. So I'm going to go Wang just because it, if it wasn't for the fact, if like Jimenez did all his hard work and it was just like, you know, he just had to roll it in the back of the net, <laughs> then I'd probably give it Jimenez. Yeah, 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 but the fact he still had so much to do, so much to do, and it's still so good, you know, I completely, uh, completely get it. Right. We're going to take a short break, guys. Um, we'll be back after this to talk international break and injuries. See you shortly. <laughs> Hi everyone, Matt from Walls Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com they'll get you set up quicker than a Dharma Traore running at a terrified left back speaking of which who's got my baby oil hello welcome back everyone um we've got a bit of a break now until we play Aston Villa um on the 16th of October so we won't really kind of need to sort of talk about too much of that right now because in between that we do have a lovely fun international football break which everyone always looks forward to just as the season's kind of really getting into the uh, <laughs> into the meat of it um but a few players Wolves players have been called up and a few players haven't um a couple of notable ones I, I, I've kind of put down is Connor Cody getting called up for England I think um you know has he been in the greatest form over the course of this season maybe not the last couple of games he seems to have stepped up a gear which is you know what we all want to be seeing um but do you think it's quite indicative of um i guess what he the, the intangibles he brings um in terms of his leadership and you know the fact he can play in a back three very comfortably um is why he's kind of got the call up again for england um because <clears throat> i think if you could argue maybe it was directly off form he probably wouldn't get the call up, but of course, you know, international football doesn't just work on that because then you'd be having a new twenty-three man squad every week. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, Southgate's spoken about the fact that Connor Cody is part of the inner circle of the team. And even if he doesn't get minutes on the pitch, I imagine his leadership and the seemingly jovial nature of the man is a boon to have around the squad. Mm, completely agree. I think, you know, for all the right reasons as well, he is very much a media darling. And he is the he is the safe, happy face of a lot of England football. You know what I mean? Like if you if you wanted to throw somebody in a media interview, you send in you send for the man, you send for Connor Cody. Um and I think that having him around the squad and having his qualities around the squad, yes, it might not be on the pitch, but you know, it is a team effort. There's a reason why you know, John Ruddy is so revered around Wolves and the players mm-hmm. and, and this stuff because of what he brings to the party off the pitch. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's not surprising that he's in and around that setup. I'd like him to get more game time. Um, and sometimes I look at the players that do play in, in these, frankly, useless matches that no one really cares for. Um, I think, well, you know, let's give him some minutes. Let's reward what he does off the pitch with some minutes on the pitch. But, you know, that's not how football works, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I'm not surprised he's in that setup. Yeah, I think um, you know, full credit to him because it, it, it is a competitive squad, England these days. Um, you know, uh, of course, we've had some Portuguese call-ups. Um, you know, Neves and Martino still in there. Jose Star, um, Jose Sorry, even not Star, um, yet to kind of get that international breakthrough. Um, do you? 
think it's just a case that they, they just have sort of sheer quality and depth. I had a quick look beforehand, and, you know, he's up against Rui Patricio, um, who I feel like should be mortal enemies now. <laughs> um, but personally, I think that's how they should view their relationship anyway. Um, the goalkeeper for Leon and the uh, Porto goalkeeper. So he's up against, you know, solid opposition. But do, do we see it likely that he's ever going to... Do you think he's going to be just one of those international players who sadly is not going to really mm. get there? The thing is, I mean, for, for the Portuguese team, it's absolutely a class. I mean, the fact that like Anthony Lopez can't get a game yeah. for them all, you know, mm. is is testament to their their strength anyway in that in that position. And I think it's just one of it's just one of those things. Unfortunately, um, the loneliest the loneliest position on the field, isn't it? Really, it's unfortunate. But him being around that setup as well will be beneficial. Um, and you know. Time and age is on his side, I suppose, at the moment in, in comparison to, to Patricio, for example. Um, so, you know, I'm sure much like much like how he's had, had for being for Cody, really, he might just have to bide his time a little bit before he gets given an opportunity. Mm. There's an element of Spain when Casillas was number one or Italy under Buffon. Like, they're outstanding keepers who are never going to get displaced. No matter how good you are, they're legendary. And I feel that Patricio is a bit of a talisman for Portugal. So the best that he's ever really going to get is going to be understudy until Patricio uh, retires, I think. So just keep plugging away. But he's been playing well for us. And fuck it, I'd rather he have a rest and come back prepared for, yeah. for a league game than travel for an unnecessary friendly. Well, I think, to be fair, all the first teamers who aren't, I haven't got the international call-ups. It was either in the world of good still be, you know, around Compton, won't it? I can't remember if uh, Trincao's got a call-up to the under-21s, but he's someone who definitely needs that time on the training ground, as we alluded to before the break. And, you know, it's, it's a scary thing with Sarri say, the best he's going to be is understudy. But, you know, he's at least fourth in, you know, well, third in line behind. And, you know, it, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's, it's a great problem for Portugal to have. Um, lastly, the player I wanted to talk about was Raul Jimenez, um, who at the first international break this season, the one which you get after like three games, the, the really, the really pointless one. This one's just pretty pointless. Um, he didn't end up going because of sort of some COVID restrictions, which meant he nearly missed a game and stuff like that. But um, as restrictions are changing, he's now as far as I'm aware, so correct me if I'm wrong, because he, he's vaccinated, he can now travel, play, and doesn't have to miss any game time when he comes back. Is that about right? I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for him, again, in terms of his recovery, on I guess the emotional side of things, because, um, again, it, it is such a football-mad culture over there, and he is someone who is... <sighs> You know, I, I don't, you don't want to necessarily sort of pin this on someone, but he seems like he's a very proud Mexican. He's very, you know, passionate about where he's from, and you know, being again, you know, that that number nine for your national team, I think, is a big deal for him. Mm. And I think again, that that must be a really big step for him and his 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 return to um to football. Mm, I think as well, you know, uh, as he's. <laughs> A wild cliche that's used a lot in football, but if you're informed, you just want to play. You just want to mm. play, like, mm. and, and I'm sure he just wants to get on the pitch, banging in goals left, right, and centre, continuing form, um, and then bringing that back to his club side. You know, it, it doesn't seem like the kind of player that, if he's on a few yellows around Christmas, he'll he'll put a sliding tackle in so he gets Christmas and New Year's off. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't seem like that kind of player. I think he just wants to play. So. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I think it's. I think it'll be to Wolves' benefit that he does go over and play for them. And I know that they've said, you know, he'll be back for the Villa game, and he'll if if you know Touchwood doesn't get injured or anything like that, he'll be able to you know be selected. So I think it's beneficial mm. for Wolves too. Yeah, I, I think for the man himself, I think it'll be a really good thing to have a break from the norm. He spent the last eighteen months injured around this area, seeing the same faces day in, day out. And obviously we've had the pandemic, which has restricted his movement. I think he got to 
link up with the team, didn't they? Come over to London for a few yeah. days last year. So I bet he's itching to get back and to actually see some different people and just experience something normal, but not normal at the same time. So I think it'll work wonders. It'll make for a happy Jimenez, which will make for a happy Wolves ultimately. No, com- completely agree. Um, earlier this week, um, Wolves released a um, press release or about how you want to describe it. Um Regarding, I guess, an injury update, but most pertinently, it was about um, Yassin Muskir. And uh, I was going to say, before we kind of dive into the injury updates, the thing that I kind of found most interesting is Wolves actually did it. Because under Nuno, they, mm. they, like, they, they went really sort of deep cover, didn't they, in terms of talking mm. about anything injury related. And I kind of don't understand why you personally do that apart from you know raising fan expectations and stuff like that but you know i think we, we have sort of a bit of a right so to be honest to actually hear this information it was quite refreshing to you know get get that extra bit of detail in you know really concise format so i think you know kudos for the club to actually being a bit open and honest about it where it's always you know under nuno um and under that regime so to speak they were very cloak and daggers about injuries mm. Um, where you know it's not a it's not a fine art, but you know it's it, it you know it's still, it's still really kind of good to kind of give us you know some expectations of fans. But the three they gave updates on were Mascara, Johnny, and Neto. Um, firstly, I think that the real damaging one is Yusin Mascara, um, who's out for around four to five months with a hamstring injury he sustained um, against Spurs um, in the League Cup. I mean, he was someone who kind of really lit it up in pre-season and was a bit of a shining spark, but he's also seems to have struggled with his hamstring injury. And what I don't know, I don't know if you find gentlemen do either is whether a hamstring injured in pre-season is the same one. He's now re-injured or whether it's, you know, he's fixing the injury in the first place or, or mm. what really, but I think, you know, it's just devastating because frankly, I, we need good centre halves at the club. B, he, he he showed it. We we talked about recruitment earlier, didn't we? And saying recruitment seemed to be really on it at the moment, and we looked like we picked up a gem. And it's just a shame we're not going to see him until you know spring at this point. Yeah, it's 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 a hard one to take, and I think the the, the bigger issue really is it's many of our worst nightmare positions on the pitch to, to have an injury because we're we're low in numbers in that area anyway, or at least lowing perceived quality i guess you could say um phil set terrible for him he's obviously someone with some of the kind of the pre-match um i want to say vignettes but like kind of the sort of the social media stuff that you know he clearly couldn't wait to play and you know to to, to have an injury like that in I, i'm not gonna uh disparage the league cup by saying it's a useless competition <laughs> but at the same time for it to happen in that game as well you know at that stage in, in the in the in the tournament as well it's just just devastating for him really you know you wanted him to be knocking on the door of the first team for the league with a with a great performance in that game and and you know shepherding um harry kane and, and stuff like that but um it's just it's just devastating for the lad and I hope you know when he when he when he comes back into the squad. You would think by that point we'll have gone to four at the back, and there's one less spot for a centre back as well. So it'd be even harder for him to get in that team. Mm, I was on the podcast before the Spurs game, and I remember saying at that point I was really looking forward to seeing Mascara get some minutes, just because he was so good in pre-season, and he's still a young centre half. So I wanted to see him, and for him to go down within. 14, 15 minutes was gutting, to be perfectly honest. Um, he, he does have time on his side, ultimately. He's going to grow into the team and he could end up being a stalwart for a decade. But he needs to get himself fit. And I, I think if we've got to wait five months, you know, give him a six month, make sure that he's 100% ready to get back into the team. And it, it's going to help him being around the club and just try and understand the ethos of what Bruno Large expects of his players and what it means to be you know, a Wolverhampton wanderer, so to speak, just to get that. So it's not ideal, but I think he can make the best of a bad situation, to be perfectly honest now. And I just hope he comes back fitter and stronger and we do get to see him before the end of the season. 
just because I, I have a feeling he might be the next George Elikobi. Like, I think we could yeah. love this guy. I really do. Mm. So that's what I want from him. Yeah, we just need to see him play. That's it. That's that, that's the, that's the sticky point. He's got mm. all the potential to be a fucking great cult hero and a fan cast favourite. I just need to see him play, to be honest. That sounds really <laughs> crass. Um, the other um, second that we had, Johnny, um, who should be returning in the new year from an ACL. Again, it was a, I believe it was a different, it was his other leg um, to the one he injured originally, which, again, is just so fucking unfortunate. Um, but I, I saw the goal he scored against uh, Southampton, just because I think it had been four years to a day last uh, a day last week. For if we've got a fit Johnny, how good will he be in this system? Because his movement, his intelligence on the ball, it, he looks like he'd be someone perfectly designed to um, play left wing back in this team and be a real danger in this league. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm slightly less not excited about the return of Johnny, but. I think if you set your expectation at the lowest possible point, that he's, there's no right for him to even play football again. I think if he gets on a football mm. pitch, it'll be something of a medical miracle. A medical miracle. Um, I think I'll be happy when I see him on the pitch, but I'm not going to get my hopes up until he's physically in the in a starting eleven and he's playing and he's played five six games in a row. The fact that Marcel is still playing and not injured at the moment, you know. <laughs> We should be seeing what's in the water down at Compton, to be honest, um, because, you know, in, in his career, he has very much been, you know, described as being made out of paper mache. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little less optimistic and uh, about Johnny. I, I don't want to get my hopes up and have my heart broken. No, I can see mm. that. Um, uh, the, the one we're still sort of a bit of a question mark on is Neto, who's seeing a specialist in October. Don't know whether that's, you know, on Monday or in four weeks' time. But, um, again, he, he's someone who they seem to be sort of taking it slow and steady with and don't want to – really don't want to rush him back as well. Because, um, again, he was someone who was sort of one of our brightest sparks last season. But, you know, we're still kind of waiting, uh, you know, still kind of waiting eagerly sort of, I guess, when he's going to return. They very much said there's no return date set. So, again, hopefully, like we were saying about Muscura, um, but you know what? If he needs an extra month, just give it him. Mm. Yeah, I, I think Neto is the perfect player for this system as well, because I think that he can play left, right. He can play in the number ten role. I think he could be the type of player who could bring us to to playing with four at the back, which we've all uh, we all want to see. But you are absolutely right. I don't want to see him rush back because I'd hate for him to pick up another injury two games in and be out for even longer. I mean, he should have been back by now already, but unfortunately, you know, it, something happened and he got extended. So, yep, the sooner he's back, the better, but I'd rather he wasn't rushed. Yeah, uh, completely, completely agree. Um, before we wrap up, gents, should we have a quick look on Twitter Corner? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, thanks for everyone who sent in your questions. So, first of Andy Smith, um, which of the fan cast would be best working alongside Nathan Judah? That's a good question. Um, probably you, to be perfectly honest, Rich. You're the most studious of us, so I think you'd probably be all right <laughs> doing that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Gully. Similar, similar thought process. I think mm. he, I think he'd like be you know quite good at giving the analyticals, letting Judah do his thing, um, working it that way. That'd be my sort of balance, I reckon, between the two. Mm. Um, next up, um, uh, we, we've we've had Ash Dolan um, say, "Will Hang finally be the successor to Jota we've been waiting for?" And I think we're all kind of very much yes, mm. yes, hopefully. Yeah. This is a great one. There is some context behind it. Um, I, I appreciate. Um, <laughs> Baltimore Wolves asks, does anyone ha- on the fan cast have paler legs than Jose Sar? Probably me, to be perfectly honest. I'm a very pale man. <laughs> now, I find that interesting, Andy, because much like me, much like myself, I wear shorts pretty much exclusively all year round. So the sun 
or the UV hits my legs nearly all the time, yet they are incredibly pale. Um, <laughs> so how, I don't know how this happens by science. Um, but yeah, I think we, we both, um, having seen you the bottom of your legs only today, can confirm yeah. they are incredibly pale. Yeah, I mean, I work from home and when I go to the gym, I wear compression leggings because I've got a bad knee. So my legs oh, rarely okay. see the sunshine. So yeah, that, that's why they are quite pale. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I when I saw the question, I had to kind of think very hard and uh, about basically my friends and about legs, which was a, a, a interesting, <laughs> an interesting thought experiment I uh, I had. But yeah, basically, someone tweeted, uh, in, well, well, was on Instagram, and um, the, the the line was, "The sun in England is doing you good. At least you can already see the bronze on your legs." And he's just got like. It, it, them milk bottles uh, to be <laughs> honest um paul wharton asks um should wolves um who should wolves basically play up front next week um against uh, aston villa um basically i, I guess it's one of trial ray trinkow and podence um as your your starter um alongside wangan jimenez i mean trial had a, a few decent games up against um Villa's left backs. I mean, Matt Target isn't it? I think is the left back, and he shit himself a few times up against Traore. So, I would probably go for him, and obviously Jimenez and Wang because yeah, you've got to keep them there. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree there, and you know, Villa can definitely be got at there. You know, conceded two today, um, and I think having Traore there to be able to give that option is only you know can only be a positive thing. Um, I trust I, the new buzzword, isn't it? The process. I trust the process, and I trust um, I trust what Lars does. You know, with that with that squad, um, much to the behest of some people, as it was for the Southampton game. Um, you know, we very much would have believed we'll get what's coming to us with an odd selection. Uh, but you know, it proved in that game it was the right it was the right call. So, um, Troy Ray though for me, Troy Ray plays on you know in that team, and then obviously you've got Huang and uh, and Jimenez to. To, for the rest, you know, the rest of the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, I think it, again, it's a really good problem for us to have, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's almost nice to. It's a, it's a warm, fuzzy feeling when balls are playing well, and you know, we can kind of go, <laughs> oh, "Oh, we could play him, or we could play him." Um, la- last question we'll go to before we uh, before we call it a day, guys, is uh, from Jamie Walters. Um, I'll pause then because he's. His name was Jay, and then I was like reading his at uh, his handle to like work out what his full name. So I went Jamie Walters. Um, who asked? Um, I won't read sort of the whole bit because he kind of goes on a bit of a bit of a rant. Um, but um, long term is Samedo the answer. Um, he hasn't really seen anything to really justify the fee as a wing back, and he doesn't offer a great amount going forward. Um, I mean. I guess sort of we'll, we'll kind of round it up is do you think that A is justified his price tag or his value and B do we see him as the, the long-term answer for Wolves because personally I, I really like him but he's not shown himself to be great in front of goal and a lot of openings seem to weirdly fall for him in this system um, and I don't quite know whether it's quite suited for the player at the moment, like I, I think he almost, I think last year he played his best in a back four rather than as a wing back, and I feel like he's doing everything that he should be doing in those positions, but his skill set might not necessarily marry up to it. And um, what, what mm. are your guys' thoughts on Samedo, especially with Hoover, um, sort of quietly impressing whenever he's been playing this season? Mm. Um, Hoover, Hoover's a tidy footballer, but. No more than that. Not not at this stage, anyway. He's obviously still very young, so he can improve. Samedo's 27 now, so long term, he's not the answer. He's the answer for maybe three more years, if we're lucky. He's a solid defensive player, and I'm perfectly fine with him playing right back. And he's got an engine on him. He can get up and down the pitch, but you don't see him bombing on and getting crosses, and his finishing isn't great. So... The answer is I don't know, if I'm perfectly honest. I, I really like him and I really want him to be a mainstay of our team. 
but time will tell with it. Unfortunately, I think he needs to be get picking up more assists, mm. um, especially if he's playing with someone like Trinkau, someone who's going to be cutting in. He needs to be offering the overlap. If he's playing alongside Traore, they end up occupying the same spaces, and it doesn't quite work. So, I, I don't know. It, it's a problem that needs to be solved, but I don't think Hoover's the answer. At least not yet. Yeah, Hoover, pardon my crassness here, but Hoover is the reach around in us getting fucked by selling Jota. You know, it's the courteous thing to be to have happen, I suppose, but, you know, you're still getting bummed at the end of the day. Um, it's just, uh, he's not the answer at the moment. And I, I think much like with, with, with Silva, the expectation um, is a little too high on him when, it, when he plays. I think everyone thinks he's going to be you know, just because he's come from Liverpool, um, that he's then all of a sudden going to be a, a footballing messiah and he's going to be amazing just because he's come from from Liverpool. Like he needs time as well. He's a young player, he, and he, I, I think, the same problem is with Samad, who's come from Barcelona. He's come from a price tag, you know, that you expect quality at a price tag like that, and it hasn't always shown that quality, um, or at least. You know, he's always going to be compared to Doty, isn't he? Samado, mm. and they're completely couldn't be completely different players. Like, um, and I think it's unfortunate. Long term, long term, he's the answer because we don't have a need, want, or desire to replace him because there are other positions on that pitch that need replacing far more urgently than at right wing back. So, whether he is the answer or he isn't the answer, there isn't a question because. We're not going to replace him anytime soon, so I think I think we just have to f- uh, find a find a, a system, or he needs to adapt his playing style to be able to adapt for what we're going to be doing. And hopefully, when four at the back eventually comes in, he can he can um, show you know some of the quality that that we want and expect from him. I just think that you know we talk about well, people talk about all the time that he's got these defensive frailties and. Yeah, there have been some iffy occasions with him, but, you know, apart from Brentford, you know, we haven't looked like a team that will ship goals 10 a penny. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And he's a part and he's a part of that. He's a part of what is generally speaking a well-ish organised defence at the moment. So I think some of the hoopla around him and he's a bit unjustified personally. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, a lot of the criticisms of Wolves defensively haven't been on the right-hand side with him in Kilman. It's it's mainly around, say, some Marcel. Mm. Um, and in a way, I think you're right, actually, he sort of does justify his value because Wolves won't be looking to replace him. They've mm. made an investment. We are never going to sell him for more than we bought him for. It, you know, no one's going to pay 25, 30 million for him. Um, but... Wolves have a very, very competent fullback. He might not, as I say, score 10 goals like Doherty, but he brings other things to a team. It's just a shame at the moment he's not scoring or assisting. And I think only the next sort of 12 months will really tell whether he has got that in his locker. Because I think if he does, then, you know, it, it, it's all plain sailing for Wolves. But I think um, you, you brought up Hoover, and I'm a big fan of him. Um, you know, you talked about Liverpool, and I, I've gone on the record before, and I, I've said it to the Anfield rap as well. So, you know, I'm happy sort of stating on here I wouldn't buy any player from Liverpool. Um, mm. Just because they seem to have put up a really high mark upon players who fundamentally rarely deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to be really weird that they'll charge a lot for a player who doesn't seem to be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, my concern with Hoover is will he get enough game time to improve to then knock on the door and you, you get in that cyclical cycle or whether we'll end up having to loan him out and do a Gibbs wipe and, you know, you, that, that's where it'll kind of, I guess, get all messy. But, yeah, I think, as I say, he, wing back and right slash right back isn't an area where I think any Wolves fan is really going, that's in our top three positions we need to improve um, in January and into the next window. But that pretty much wraps it up today, guys. Um Big thank you to everyone who's uh, listened. Um, big thanks to uh, 90 Min um, Football Network. Uh, great to be part of their podcast community. 
Um, make sure you follow us on Wolves Fancast at Wolves Fancast. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, as Matt highlighted in the break, Pixel Yeti Media, for all of your marketing and branding needs. Um, we'll hopefully try and put out some more content in the next week and a half or so uh, before the Villa preview. Um, but also, you know, we like to enjoy the international break because who doesn't love, as we mentioned, two really, really important friendlies that I can definitely remember who England are playing. So we'll, we'll wrap it up there, guys, um, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. So it's goodbye from Andy. Oh, if you because it's October and Halloween can... month, come over to Cage Fighting. We're discussing Halloween and horror stuff in general for the next four weeks. So come on over with me and Matt and we'll uh, chat some nonsense over there if you fancy it. Goodbye, Mandy. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were just going to follow through. Sorry. <laughs> yep. Uh, see, see you next time. <laughs> yeah, take it easy, guys. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. And uh, hopefully, when we do the preview show um, with Villa, it will be on the back of Jimenez bagging the goals for uh, Mexico. And um, we can build the excitement after we've had a, a come down in the international break. And I'm sure it's like Andorra or something. I'm sure I've seen Andorra banded around. So, you know, once we've got over that, we'll get back to the good stuff. See you later. Fantastic. See you soon, guys. Enjoy. Enjoy.